Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Slightly Drunk and Extremely Online. I'm Colin Schulz. I'm here today with Bobby Murphy and Ty Halas, and we are going to be talking about internet comments. Contrary to what you may be expecting, we're going to talk about good ones. We're going to talk about reading the comments, not avoiding the comment sections of websites. So let's get it started so we can get to the good stuff. Um, I am drinking a Steel Reserve Alloy Series Spiked Watermelon. Oh, man. This is, I've consigned myself, I've challenged myself to drink my way through my local bodega's Cooler of Death, which contains a bunch of 24-ounce cans of really disgusting shit. And so this is my drink of choice for the day. It's 8% alcohol by volume. It is, uh, to quote the can, brewed for extra gravity and exceptionally smooth flavor. I don't know what gravity is. It basically tastes gravity like a watermelon jelly. It has rancher. a lot of alcohol in it. Yeah, eight percent. So yeah. it tastes exactly like a watermelon jelly rancher. If you want something for under three dollars with eight percent alcohol that tastes like Jolly Rancher, <laughs> Steel Reserve Alloy Series may be for Honestly, you. Honestly, that sounds more uh, time. Yeah, well, you know, they, maybe they haven't switched over to the fall drinks yet. Bobby, what so do you got? So I'm because uh, I've got a pretty rowdy sore throat. I've got a mason jar full of uh, some nice Canada Dry ginger ale, some of the finest ice from my ice machine, and some Templeton rye. Great. Ty, what do you got? I have mixed myself my signature homemade old-fashioned with two peels of blood orange in it because the blood orange was kind of old and I didn't get enough essence on the first one. And uh, once I finish that, I'll be cracking into a Orchata Imperial Porter that is from Elevation Brewing in Poncha Springs, Colorado. Fantastic. We're off to the races. Today, we're going to talk about two, maybe three comment sections on the internet. One, I don't know if you could call it a comment section, but we're going to talk about communities online that encourage user comments that are actually good, that are actually interesting spaces for people to talk productively, constructively amongst themselves without getting completely out of control, which is sort of what happens online. So Ty, why don't you start us off? We're going to talk about Kinja. We're going to talk about Gawker. R.I.P. Gawker. We're going to talk about formerly Gawker's comment platform. I miss it so much. So why don't you give us a little background on it? Yeah, background, you know, Gawker has been going through different versions of Kinjo since basically it began. That was one of Nick Denton's big ideas was how do we make a platform that facilitates the production of news that's not just we are spitting it out to you, but you can participate in this and kind of drive what we cover and how we cover it. So there have been a lot of growing pains along the way, I would say. Just to interject briefly, Gawker, G-A-W-K-E-R, if you search it online, you'll see it was the subject of the big Hulk Hogan slash Peter Thiel lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Gawker was started off as a New York social circles gossip blog and founded by Nick Denton, a very charismatic controversial social figure in New York media and grew to encompass a whole bunch of different topics, which we'll talk about as we explain further. Sorry, just giving a little bit, a little quick background on Gawker. For sure. So Gawker, you know, was just the flagship of the whole Kinja empire, so to speak, in the Gawker media group. And the platform went through a number of different iterations all the way. I forget which one they're on now. It could be as high as like 13. But the primary function of it is that it starts individual threads and there's not many threads within the each thread but each person can start a thread and then after that replies will reply back to that one and it has a voting mechanism where users can star the 
posts that they like in response to the main post. But perhaps what's most notable about Kinja, as I hinted at earlier, is that the writers for all of at least the Gawker slash Gizmodo Media Group properties that mainly use the platform are encouraged to respond and interact with just regular Joe Schmoes like us on the internet that are posting about the things that they're posting about. In practicality, that does not mean that they are always there and it's kind of like a chat room. It's more whoever is first to post in response to whatever blog post has been uploaded. Those are the people that are going to get the most interaction out of the writers and are going to get the most votes from other people viewing their comments. So if you come in two days later to a Gizmodo Media Group post uh, and write a comment, you're probably not going to get much of anywhere. Right. So there's a kind of an emphasis on immediacy in the Kinja platform right now. Perhaps the other most notable part of it is what are colloquially referred to as the Greys. A couple of years ago, maybe three, four years ago at this point, back when it was still Gawker, there was an army of trolls that would post a bunch of offensive things in the comment sections and Jezebel articles or other articles. And it was kind of bothering a lot of the commenters. And there became such a groundswell for reform that Gawker heard the concerns and then changed its platform to where not everyone who posts has their post automatically visible. There were a lot of growing pains in that situation to figure out how exactly can we prevent people from trolling everyone. And the answer was you post and then the writer of the post or somebody else who works at Gawker has to approve you, or at least that comment, to be visible. Otherwise, it remains grayed out, and someone would have to specifically press a button, affirmatively, to see what you have written. And so, posters that post a lot and participate in the comment section a whole lot, the writers will start to recognize their username, and then they will get permanently lifted out of the grays and into the black, and then everything that they post is visible to everybody on the internet. So this created, and to expand a little bit on what you were saying, I think the term blog has evolved a lot since Gawker and some of these other websites came about, whereas these are full articles these days. I mean, yes, some of them are especially... When it comes to Gizmodo Group, a lot of them are more opinion-focused or opinion-centric, where it's not hard news. You know, they aren't going interviewing. A lot of aggregation, uh, too. Right, yeah. yeah they're, they're rewriting or finding funny things on the internet and video clips and talking about those or posting about those. But so now you're interacting as a internet commenter, thought of as sort of the scum of the earth. You're now interacting with the actual authors of these articles who are in in a way gating or determining whether you can be part of the discussion publicly. In this particular case, I think, and this may have come at a time when this was a bit more innocent or the internet wasn't quite as vitriolic as it is right now, or people hadn't really truly weaponized comments and trolling quite as much as they have these days. Although, as you said, there were some sites like Jezebel, which is a site for primarily feminist news and blogging and women's issues. Clearly, that was a target for a lot of trolls back in the day, where now you have authors interacting with you as if you're you sort of become part of the story. And and I will say that part of the reason that I wanted to do this particular podcast was when I was coming up with the concept for a podcast about internet comments, one of my questions to which one of my potential questions to the people on the pod about what's bad or good about internet comments was, are there any comment sections you read? And my answer was Deadspin, 
which is Gizmodo slash Gawker's sports site. Most of the sports news that I take in comes through sites like Deadspin and places where it's a bit more fun. Like I don't go to ESPN to read my sports news. I go somewhere else because they're all a bit sarcastic and cynical about it because sports is kind of silly and it's sort of the celebrity culture that I subscribe to. But I thought, you know what? The comments on Deadspin over the last few years are That's the only comment section where I can start reading it and say, you know what, I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to keep reading down because there's funny jokes. The authors are jumping in to interact and answer questions from fans of the blog or fans of the piece. And to me, it was, and again, I didn't see the grays because I wasn't clicking on those buttons to say, because it does warn you. It says there's a bunch of unapproved comments. Would you like to read them? And I was like, no, absolutely not. I I don't want to read those. There's too many to try to read those in my experience with the Kindle sites. Yeah. So Bobby, what would you say your where do you where do you read the comments? Let's let's get your uh unfiltered answer to this. Yeah, question. I mean it's a lot of places like Kinja based sites, you know, I, I also spend some time on Deadspin. But really to me it's less about being author driven as much as just general overall quality of commentary and posting to me it's no i i won't go into a deadspin comment because i get the chance that i might see what the author is going to say because i saw what the author said up there it's generally a lot more about seeing what just trusting that my time won't be wasted with a bunch of random noise or trolling or racism or just sort of dumb opinions where you get a lot of stuff where it's just kind of not really worth your time and so to me and a lot of outlets they're a solution to this problem rather than instituting somewhat sane moderation systems was simply to remove them. Going back to 2011, 2012, you had Slate, you had Huffington Post, you had all these places that just started axing comments, Wired and all these different magazines. One thing I will say that's interesting, just and this is a recent edition that Ty pointed out to me earlier when we were speaking about this, is that now The Onion, the satirical website, has gone on the Kinja platform, which I find interesting because I think the whole the whole point of The Onion for a while was to just churn out this content that's all entirely a satirical publication, click hole in The Onion. And now they may be appreciating the fact that their readers can be contributors and can be content creators that could potentially be useful to their to the experience of reading their publication. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Go ahead, Bobby. So I guess my thought on this is like, the idea is that to me, comment sections are inherently valuable because it's anything that people enjoy, people who enjoy Deadspin, are going to be aligned in their interests and sort of who they are to some smaller or greater degree, right? I mean, people who like Mustangs form clubs about their Mustangs. People who like you know, fancy cocktails, you know, have online communities about their fancy cocktails. And I don't see why media properties would necessarily be different. And so I think, so to the extent that somebody finds a clickhole article uniquely funny, which happens to me a lot, I'm kind of interested in hearing what other people who like that thing have to say if it's a 80 step clicking adventure in which i discover you know that i play a sea bass that has to evolve on clickhole and and i really just spent you know the last 10 minutes doing that that says probably some interesting things about me but probably also the people who are going to comment there are probably aligned with my interests to some to some extent i've got a, com- a counterpoint i guess a little bit to that is that for a lot of websites that does work and i think that's been and a lot of the other sites that we've named already in the discussion are good examples of that. But I also kind of appreciate and was supportive at the time of all of the comment sections being taken away from places like HuffPost and Slate and things like that, because those are entities that are just trafficking in hard news. And so you're not creating this sort of cult of following where people share interests. 
because the only interest they share, share is wanting to be informed. And that covers a wide swath of people. There can be such ripe ground for disagreement between that wide, wide swath of people. It, you know, it seems to have deteriorated to such a level that it is no longer productive to try to seek out the people in that comment section who shared your viewpoint or you would be interested in hearing from. That's true. And As I crack there's a delineation between <laughs> there is definitely a delineation between entertainment sites that are ostensibly for entertainment. Although I would argue that the content on a Jezebel or on some of the Gizmodo sites is 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 sort of hard news worthy, but maybe it's presented right. in a certain way that breeds that discussion. Well, it's, a, it's kind of like a it's a weird thing when you talk about Jezebel and the other sites on Gizmodo properties because they they have they do traffic in hard news, but because of the voice that they tell it in. They have carved out this certain type of person who reads it. You know, I I remember back in the day, I used to read the Drudge Report and the Huffington Post because I was a guy who just wanted to be informed. And I knew I could get the news I needed from both of those places and and find some perspectives. You know, eventually I was like, wow... I really don't like what the Drudge Report has become because he's been drifting further and further right. And I really don't like that the Huffington Post is making pages about side boob. I need to find a different place to read my news. And I settled on Gawker and the Gawker properties because I identified with the voice that they were telling it in, but I was still being informed. And so I I think that might be the common thread that underlies at least the Kinja properties and to the extent that any other property media properties kind of mirror that, then they they can you know traffic in that as well. Sure, but I mean, right. I, I guess my perspective on this is that so for example, one blog I used to read and I've read less of now is is above the law. It's a legal blog, sort of dumb legal thoughts. It's pretty uh, sugar coated. Pretty. And by the way, it's on Kinja. Above the law has is another like third party website that uses the Kinja platform for their Redline series, and I never quite under, understood what that was, but they're at least using it in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, but they've nuked their comment section because mm-hmm. it was too trolly. There were too many people saying too many you know, mean things to each other. They decided that the cost wasn't worth the benefit. But what's always amazing to me about these decisions is that they act like there's you know, some sort of, and maybe it's true, but they act like there's some sort of impulse that people have to read the comments, or if the comments are on there, above the law would somehow be responsible for them. It's just made the website a smaller place. I'm less likely to click into above the law because I don't get to hear people's, you know, dumb reactions to, you know, some crazy oral argument that went south or whatever legal topic is being discussed there. It's a smaller website because of it. That is an actually a really interesting point. And I forgot to include a disclaimer at the beginning of this podcast that I am actually on with two lawyers. So <laughs> I, I believe that everything that's said on here is admissible in court. I'm not actually drinking steel reserve and taking cold medicine right now. I've had less than, no, sorry. That I think has been a, a big debate is, are the comments, what is the site's level of responsibility for the comments Sites that use things like Facebook for comments, which I mean, oh my God, that's the whole talk. Well, speaking of bad comments, but what do you guys think about that from a light? Like, is that a, is that a valid argument from a liability perspective of people commenting on things? If we if we don't moderate those comments and someone's posting me really offensive stuff in the comments, are we somehow responsible for that? And that's why we're getting rid of them, or is that or is that kind of a lame cop out? And uh, along those lines, I'd like to ask Bobby a question. So when you were going to Above the Law, you enjoyed looking at the comment section. Were you not bothered by 
the tremendous amount of trolling, did, was that an attraction for you? And you didn't think any moderation was necessary in that regard? Well, I, I guess to me, it is a reflection of the site itself, right? These people sort of portrayed themselves as sort of like bomb throwers who are, you know, going to blow up the stodgy legal market. And, you know, it, they came up with their own rankings that to fight, you know, the evil, you know, U.S. news hegemony about how many books are in your library, you know, is they've always portrayed themselves as bomb throwers. So if you're going to a bomb throwing blog, yeah, you're going to get some aggressive opinions in there. Yeah, you're going to get some trolls. But this is a website for people with opinions. And so I think... Lawyers don't have opinions. Exactly, right? Like, I mean, if there was ever somebody who's equipped to say, like, I see what you're saying there, and I really think it's just not worth my time, I'm going to, you know, either tell you you're wrong or move on. It's everybody who, like, went to law school. I mean, if nothing else... Sitting around in those lecture halls and listening to somebody raise their hand and share their dumb opinion, you know, is excellent <laughs> training for the above the law comment section. You know, it's like, hello, like, this doesn't contribute to, you know, the rest of the class, but I just had to share it. You know, you're used to that. Every kid that was like that in undergrad and high school went to law yeah, school, right? Like those pretty were kids much. Up there, basically. They basically got distilled <laughs> so the, and uh, they found the worst one of them. So this is interesting. So you're saying that this lawyer blog slash website that was created for the purpose of sort of upending the stodgy legal opinions comment space shut down the comments because they're like people here are too opinionated we gotta we gotta nip this in the bud we can't let these lawyers go at it in the comment section which i mean there's some irony yeah. am i am i wrong in saying that there's extreme irony well, in that i think opinionated is definitely the polite term there were some pretty awful things on there it wasn't calling for specific violence against specific people but there was you know a lot of i guess i would call them characters on there was there any way to know whether these people were lawyers was this in any way linked to your personal no or professional history, or was this purely anonymous people? It could oh, be anybody. it could be anybody. There was, you know, a troll account on there called Partner Emeritus that had, you know, the picture of like an old looking law firm partner. And he basically was just a character that he played where he would play the role of a 80 year old out of touch law firm partner. Uh, it was his with... posting persona. Yeah, it, w it was his character. And so he would oh, just have great. these sort of like troglodyte uh, views about, you know, <laughs> you know, associates, you know, back in my day, we spent 18 hours, you know, a day in the library and got sexually harassed. And I don't see why that's not fine for everybody. But it was a joke. <laughs> and it was a transparent joke. And it made the website funnier to see him react to see the perspective of, you know, this pseudo 80 year old guy talking about this stuff. But because essentially above the law is like, we, do, we don't endorse the opinions of this guy and a bunch of other people like him. Uh, they eventually killed it off because it was too much effort. That's really what it comes down to is that something like a gawker, I think they got the buy-in from, and this is sort of what I was getting at before, is like they, they had the implicit buy-in from the writers, from the people who were their journalists. And, you know, whether you want to debate over whether those people were uh, adequately compensated for their time digging through comments and approving people to post on Kinja is another story. But I think part of maybe the attraction was that you're like, okay, I can actually interact with the people whose stuff I like to read or or the fact that they are approving me to post and speak on this topic, you know, is, is attractive to me. And, and it actually leads me into 
it's a perfect lead into something else I wanted to talk about, which is there have been a few instances, mostly bad, but I think there are a couple of good instances of people who have made their way in the world by being an internet commenter. So the perfect example of someone who mirrors the behavior that you were talking about with this other person who pretended to be an 80-year-old lawyer is a PFT commenter, is this internet persona who now works at Barstool Sports, but he came up in the comment section of Pro Football Talk which is a terribly noxious, ridiculous place for sports fans who have terrible opinions and are incredibly reactionary to go and flame each other and just be complete idiots. Oh, it's the bodybuilding.com of football. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Bodybuilding.com ranked below. So if we're if we're ranking terrible comment sections, apparently bodybuilding actually that's that's true. I've I've once in a while linked into a bodybuilding.com thread and it is truly, truly an experience. I mean I think but, they're famous for the thread about how many days we're in a week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the debate was whether if you work out three times a week, that meant you would work out seven times or six times in a two week span. There were a lot of people going to the mat on this one. Uh Oh, it's no. pretty famous. Bodybuilding.com, man. Yeah, I didn't catch that one. But yeah, there are definitely some real heroes that came out of that one. You know, there was that guy who passed away recently that had decided to inject as much oil into his muscles as humanly possible and like use as many steroids as possible. But he also had this persona in the bodybuilding.com forums where he was sort of a legend and he gained a following outside of that because he was just so over the top and ridiculous. But getting back to what I was saying, PFT Commenter, who is now this this sort of semi-famous sports personality where he's at the Super Bowl and he's out there trolling. But his entire thing was becoming a caricature of the worst, all of the worst qualities of posters on the Pro Football Talk comment section. He's the one that if anyone's seen the memes where there's a guy holding up signs like, is Joe Flacco elite with a question mark behind sportscasters at like NCAA football games. And obviously he was in on the joke and now is arguably a fairly well-known sports personality, but he's stuck to the part. He's incredibly self-aware. So sometimes good things can rise up out of the comments. If you you commit to your bit, there's no limits to what can happen for you. It's the Dune theory. Yeah. Yeah. Like, comment sections will produce the strongest posters, clearly. Yeah. It's absolutely a gladiatorial yeah. pit. If you can if you can survive unscathed from that whole world, then you can be... I, I'm really, I'm actually really extremely interested, and I think we should probably talk about this at another time, about this, this law, this law, the law blog that... I, I, I want to segue real quick from your gladiatorial analogy, because I think it's perfect. Because you were asking earlier, like, is that moderation important? Is that interaction important i think that reddit is a great example of like you know when you have all the gladiators an emperor holding it all together is really what distinguishes terrible reddit from good reddit you know it's the same it's the same theme in kinja there's any number of i mean an untold number of great subreddits that where people get together with shared interests, just like, you know, uh, above the law kind of shared interests. they have a subject matter expertise about the thing that they care about and they're all there to talk about it, and the mods hold that stuff together like like nobody else could do. And all we hear about in the news with Reddit is politics thread or some storm front Donald bullshit. Trump. But you know, th- those are communities that are essentially unmoderatable. But the communities that are moderatable, where you're getting in there to talk about cocktails or to talk about home improvement or you know any number of things, 
those communities are really productive. And, you know, there are people that come in and make jokes, but there are people that are earnest posting. There are people that are, you know, get, asking questions and getting answers. I think that if the above the law had incorporated the Kinja attitude, you know, I'm here to moderate. I en- embrace the challenge that is moderation. Maybe it would have been for the better because all of those yeah. people do have the shared interest on above the law. Most of them are lawyers. Maybe some of them are paralegals and they also work in the legal industry, but they all know about the industry. They have an expertise about the industry and a perspective to share. And so if you just introduce moderatism into that these competing perspectives you can have a very productive discussion i can really see why you miss that bobby so i'm gonna come back here we coin moderatism (laughs) i think if above the law was aggressively moderated it would be a smaller weaker place moderation is a means to accomplish the end which is post quality is the the goal is to have discussions commentary jokes what have you that's worth people's eyeballs and worth their time. And so I think absolutely moderation is a way to get there. But, you know, I don't think it inherently makes something good or bad. The joke on Reddit is, you know, like the Donald, the subreddit for Donald Trump, is one of the most aggressively moderated places in the world. They completely suppress dissent or outsiders or anybody who says anything potentially negative about, you know, the God Emperor Donald Trump. So that's heavy on moderation, but it's I would argue it's still a cesspool. I guess it depends on the quality of your mods then. You have to have a mod who's very dedicated to fostering a good discussion. Well, and maybe you just have to have a clear identity and say, this is what we're about. And if you are cool with that, great. Whereas some of these communities have, I think, gone in directions that the creators didn't necessarily intend. I mean, you you don't really know, you know? Honestly, that's the story of Gawker, right? Because that blog started out as a blog saying mean things about people in New York and the New York social scheme, in my understanding. Mm Mm-hmm. And it turned into basically a general topic, general news with a viewpoint, with a strong viewpoint. But it was a lot more and a lot better than that uh, before it got shut down. Yeah, there is a reason that Fusion bought everything other than Gawker, basically, because it, yeah, it created all these different media properties with very unique voices and very unique writers And it did spawn almost unintentionally this whole media empire of this very focused, very specific type of writing style and media reporting that that really appealed to a lot of people. So I think we are going to wrap it up there. We've talked a lot about a lot of things. I think we need to talk a lot more about a lot of these things as well. We, we, We touched briefly on Reddit. We'll definitely save. We'll have many future conversations about Reddit because that is... Real it's a Leviathan. Of- <laughs> but I hope that everyone has enjoyed learning about actual good comments on the internet. There are there are good comment sections out there if you know where to look. And hopefully we've been able to be a little bit instructive on where to find those. So I will thank my co-hosts, Bobby and Ty. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, cheers, guys. <laughs>